today's episode, we talk about a subject that is not exclusively related to men. It seems to be a more difficult conversation for them to have than their female counterparts, though. When parents talk to each other about their children, typically they share when their child took their first steps or how old they were when they were potty trained. As they get older, conversation turns to what schools are they going to go to and what sports or activities their children are engaged in. One topic that, although it's very woke in today's society, is still not an average conversation. Raising interracial children. Well, I talk with writer, actor, and producer Diallo Riddle, who is behind hit shows like Sherman Showcase and Southside about raising interracial children. Can you handle it? Can you handle it? Can you handle it? Can you handle it? Diallo, um, thank you for doing this. Um, I have to say, thanks for having me, Brad. I, it's been a, we've been talking about this for a while. Yeah, but and we've been talking about because you have just been amazing to my son, uh, for one, uh, which I appreciate very much. But number two, he's a he's a, he's a gifted filmmaker. Yeah, yes, I'm hoping. Then and then he gets off my payroll. Um, so. <laughs> He's already a gifted filmmaker. Whether whether a, a gifted artist gets off their parents' payroll, that's a totally that's a the arts can't solve that. Yeah, <laughs> you are one of the smartest, intelligent, um, creative writers I've ever known. Now, like okay. I don't think people realize your background, um, and, <clears throat> and we're going to get into it really quick because that's going to bring us into our our topic today. But you are originally from where? I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. But you went to Harvard, which is amazing. Uh, and that's why I said you're very smart in your comedy. But I would, I hate to say, sometimes when you watch, you know, Sherman Showcase that you've done, uh, Southside, I hate, I hate to say this, you never think that, okay, this is a, a Harvard graduate writing this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's messed up. I know I like it is. It, but, I like to think that, you know, when I was at Harvard, all we ever heard was, you know, all the Simpsons writers came here. And so the idea that you could do something that was smart and silly was absolutely everything that Bashir and I sought out to do. Like, we've always wanted to do stuff that was like the Simpsons, like Jim Henson's The Muppets. You know, these are things that they have a silly side, but then quietly sort of underneath the surface, they have a really smart side. And uh, man, I stand by my word. Yeah, it's a gotcha interview. I should have never signed up. No, 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 but that leads us to what I want to talk about. And that brings me to something I've never had a chance to talk about with somebody. And that was raising interracial kids. Mm. And and so I wanted to talk to you about that because you are educated, you are successful. And I want to see how that is affecting you raising your kids in this world we are now. (laughs) You know, my kids are older than yours. I had no one really to turn to to go, man how do I have this talk with my actual kids about the way the world is? And then the other part is how do I talk to my wife who doesn't really understand that Mm. part of the world that we've grown up in and had to have that stereotype at. So how how are you dealing with that? Well, that's a big question. Um, Well, first off, I don't consider myself the greatest parent. (laughs) I was was with some people, I was, I was with some people earlier today and they were like, um, Oh, you know, it was a, my friend Gina, who's a, who's a big time director. She directed a love and basketball you know, she's 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 major. She and she was talking about how when her kids and by the way, she was a black child who was adopted by two non-black parents. Um, I think one was Salvadorian and the other was um some some European that you know, she grew up as the only black 
girl, not even in her own family were there other black people. And so she she had a really, really tough go of it, uh, as she said. But I remember her saying today that when her kids would say, I'm bored, she wouldn't say go outside or watch TV. She would say, read a book. And everybody we were with was like, that's so good. That's so good. And I was just like, I'm a trash parent. Because <laughs> there are definitely times when I'm like, you know what? That iPad is looking awfully lonely. <laughs> You want to go play some <laughs> Plants vs. Zombies? I'm the worst. But to your point about um, interracial kids, uh, I feel like I've had it easy. I've been married for 15 years to a wonderful woman I met while working. <laughs> you know, I was the DJ at a nightclub, and she was one of the um, go-go dancers, I guess, for lack of a better term. You know, if you say dancers, people are like, oh, like, folks, there were no poles involved. There were no dollars flying through the air. Brittany, her son, my wife's name is Brittany. Yeah. Uh, she had danced for Beyonce. Like, she was no slouch. It's so ironic. It's, 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 it's the same thing that happens, like, when a guy, like a member of the Ku Klux Klan, you know, has a daughter, and he tries to raise her extra racist. <laughs> she ends up marrying a black dude. Like, this is sort of the reverse of that. Like, I came yeah. from an all, obviously, all-black family. My father, you know, he wasn't a panther, but, like, you know, he was very militant. Uh, my mom, very strong black woman. I have four strong black women as sisters, in addition to my brother, um, yeah. you know, who probably missed the Panthers just by <laughs> by hair. You know, like that's the sort of sauce that I was raised in. When I was at Harvard, when I was in college, every girlfriend I had was black. Like I was one of those people who judged black dudes wow. who went out with white women. I was, except for my Uncle Paul. My Uncle Paul, <laughs> I guess you could call him an early adopter. He was the one black guy in the family. <laughs> Uh, who married a white lady, and I thought they were adorable, you know, like, so they they got a pass in my, but trust me, I was like, oh no, it was around the third date, I realized I was absolutely falling in love in a way that I hadn't fallen in love with anybody before, quite honestly, right. and, you know, I went to my mom, and I expected my mom to react a different way, my father had already passed, unfortunately, by that time, yeah. um, I went to my mom, and I was like, look, mom, worst case scenario, I've met my first wife, you know, my mom laughed, and when she met Brittany, it was love at first sight. She loved Brittany just as much uh, as I did. The whole My whole family just fell in love with Brittany. And, and honestly, I knew that it was something when the black women in my life, whether I was related to them or not, black women in my life, they made it clear that they loved Brittany in some of cases more than they loved me. Growing up in the South, I never thought of mixed kids as anything other than black. Right. Um, we can debate all day whether that is just or not. I will say that one thing that made you know, my my transition into a uh, a father of mixed kids easier was the was the fact that, you know, me and Brittany were basically agreed. She I think it would have been awkward if Brittany had been the type of because I've I've seen this, you know, there there's sometimes you end up with a white parent who's like, Well, they've got to claim the white side just as much, you know. Exactly. And growing up, like I knew some mixed kids like that. I never trusted them. <laughs> you know, I won't <laughs> use any names. But like whenever they were like, Well, if I say that I'm black, then I then I'm rejecting my white parents. I'm like, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's listen, it's complicated. It's absolutely it complicated. And I know that there are some black people who absolutely despise the one uh, drop rule. But I also know that most, I get the sense that most black people get it. Whether it's Obama or <laughs> or, or name any, any person who's a Drake, anybody who's big. Maybe not Drake. That's that's complicated that's, for other yeah, people. That's, yeah, that's what they don't know. <laughs> but we all claim Obama, right? Yeah, oh, we all yeah. claim Obama. Obama and Tiger. You know, 
Well, <laughs> even Tiger's got some issues yeah. sometimes. But you know what's funny is is all the all the mixed people who you never even know are mixed. I recently found out that my uh, agent is mixed. I, I saw her. I saw her dad in that yeah. case, and I was blown away. I was like, well, like to say that I never knew that she was anything other than just a black woman is an understatement. Like you know, just to get into the the metrics of it, she's. So she's so much darker than I am. And yet here's her dad, her biological dad. And I see the resemblance, by the way. Right. You know, like it's it's crazy. So well, you know, Tracy I Ellis Ross. That, yeah, you so forget you that forget her dad about is that, right? right. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, yeah. And I've, and I've worked with Maya Rudolph. And it's funny how, you know, different mixed people deal with being mixed differently. But I always knew that I wanted my kids to basically see themselves as black just because you know, I want that to be something that I really share in common with them. And again, not just to bring it back to my wife, because these these children are the manifestations of our of our love. It's amazing to me. I've been married for 15 years. I've never felt challenged on something. You know, what I mean, yeah. she's never punched back. Well, you know, and I just feel like that would have sent me all kinds of out of my head because I do come from this super proud to be black black family you know but i feel like if anything she has always been listening and observing and always been like more than willing to support me in supporting them in their identity not rejecting their their wonderful grandparents my in-laws yeah. and the extended family on that side but but in, in reinforcing the black side of it. And now I think what gets interesting is when you get into the minutia of it, the nuance. For example, uh, right now, my oldest kid, you know, he doesn't like the hair on the back of his neck. He thinks it makes him look like a mullet. I <laughs> don't know that I can take him to the same barbershop that I go to. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and if I have to take him to a non-black barbershop, then suddenly I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Like, yeah. <laughs> let me be very clear. Like, I have no clue. Like, I was like, do we go to Supercuts? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, so you know. That's the thing with Tanner, with, you know, kind of interesting, you're talking about a haircut is that I did take him to a black barber and he was like, uh, I'll this, do this. Yeah, we ain't doing this, dad. But, you know, we ain't doing this, dad. We, uh, mom, mom, let's go to Supercuts. Let's go to somewhere else. But, you know, I never forced the black culture on them. You know, mm -hmm. I grew up an all black, mm -hmm. you know, family too and everything. And so that's why I was wondering where the kids started to find their own way. And I, I got lost a little because my daughter at one time was saying she was white. And I thought it was a joke, you know, that she was just doing that in school to, to you know. Olivia? Yeah. Olivia? I bet she's so far from that. I, that well, must have been a period in her life. I can't well, even imagine. Even to the point where her mother's part Irish, she was actually going to go and uh, go to the Olympics as an Irish bobsledder. Part of this does sound like Olivia. She's such a she's such a quirky, wonderful person. Yeah. That part of this sounds absolutely like her. But but I feel like she's like, at least from what I've seen on social media, she's so proudly like in defense of all these marginalized groups that I can't even imagine her walking so, around saying, I'm Irish. So yeah. Did she, it, practice, did she practice her brogue? Did she so, practice she, an Irish brogue? Yeah, and she does actually does in her stand-up too. She talks about how she's, you know, it's great where she's Irish and and probably whiter than some people there. She's actually done chew at a uh, a stock car race. But that's the thing. So that's why I want to ask you. I mean, you, you talk about that. How do you feel if your child does come to you one day and go, you know what, Dad, I wanna I wanna be white. Like I wanna I wanna identify as a white person. I don't feel like really anybody in this household would <laughs> support them on that front. <laughs> Um, <laughs> on that storm would front, you, if you, you will. So um, would you be like, uh, no, okay, 
Let's go on over and get you some better find a good place. No, I mean, <laughs> no, but I would, I would definitely find like you know a time to sit down with them and talk about anything. Listen, I, I've, I've had some very difficult conversations with them, you know, about like, do I believe that reverse racism exists? You know, like it's just there's so many things out there, and I do find that the um, especially the that TikTok alder- algorithm, yeah. you really have to watch out for it because I feel like there are things on there that are uh, really not cool, especially because I have three boys and. Uh, well, only two of them have ever been on t- the six-year-old hasn't, hasn't been on it. T- we not, yeah. not allow it yet, but you know you'll find some really racially suspect stuff. Yeah, uh, on TikTok, and it's very male-centric, and so I just have to, you know, you just have to dip it in the bud when they come to you and they start talking about like, What's, hey, have you heard of this guy Andrew Tate or whatever that guy's yeah. name is? And, like, you know, that kind of stuff. That's the stuff that I'm dealing with, dealing with young younger children than yours. Is, yeah, I, you know. In a way, I'm almost envious. I feel like Tanner and Olivia had to deal with, you know, stuff that might have come through Facebook. Uh, yeah. You know, I, in, maybe in they school. were around for MySpace. In school, it was where, again, they didn't fit the mold. That was really confusing to people um, and to them a little bit. Um, I, I feel, I mean, I'm going to have a talk with them about it down the line. Um, but <laughs> yeah. it was just saying, like, I had no one really to ask, like, okay, the the talk with my son. This is what I had to talk with my son, and it was very kind of hard. And I wonder if you had it. Is that I had to say, listen, you're black. I know you you you're half white, but you are black when you step out this door, and people are going to look at you that way, and you're going to have some challenges. And then my wife was like, don't do that. Don't treat them that way. But that's reality. It's a little different time and everything. Like you know, I, I again, I think one of the reasons why, quite honestly, my my marriage is strong is because. We sort of see eye to eye on this. I think that, you know, because let's be frank. I mean, like, if you look at somebody who has the skin tone of my family, like my grandmother, (laughs) she was white enough that she actually passed um, to get her job at the post office. Yeah. Um, When my my paternal grandmother died, she she was actually so fair skinned that she was actually briefly buried at Forest Lawn Cemetery. And then they found out that she was black and they told the family we're going to have to dig her up and move her somewhere else. And they did. This is like the 1940s or fifties, you know, like that. I mean, like, so even in death, the races had to be segregated. You know what I mean? I I told that to my middle kid just last night. He couldn't believe that people could be so bigoted, but you know, it's the forties and fifties in Los Angeles. And a lot of it doesn't sound much different than the deep South. I say all that just to say that most black people, whether they have what they would call two black parents or not, most of us have something else in us. You know what I mean? So if we all walked around constantly saying, well, my grandmother was probably mixed, so I'm, whatever, do the math, folks, one sixteenth white. Like, you know, like, I think that it's okay to tell mixed kids that you are black because, honestly, I think it just, it helps our numbers <laughs> from a <laughs> radical point of view. And it brings more people to the party. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. but you know what? In any culture where they've tried to establish a sort of like a, a mid-class, a uh, I won't use the term that they would have probably used for it, but like sort of like an in-between class of people. Mm-hmm. It's been lame. It's been really whack because, you know, I feel like those people tend to gravitate towards, you know, the white side towards the power uh, yeah. in society. And I think that it's actually been good for our society that we take in uh, those that are mixed who want to be over here, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's what I think is actually interesting sometimes is that, you know, I feel like with a lot of mixed people, you get sort of the extremes. Like you get like, you know, people who are really militant or really not militant. And I and I think what I'm trying to do is help raise my kids with sort of like a healthy sort of like I'm proud to be black, but I'm also here to make friends with 
every race, every sexuality, every, you know, non-binary gender, whatever you want to call it. Like, I, I just want them to enjoy life, be intelligent, be focused on whatever makes them happy. And hopefully they'll be able to do it for a day job. Yeah. Um, I always say just whatever you would do for free, try and make it your job and then you'll be extra happy. There it is uh, right there. You know, I just feel like that is that, you know, I'm just trying to, I'm doing the best I can. And it's tough sometimes because unfortunately the, my parents are not around anymore. So I can't ask them a lot of stuff that I wish I could ask them now. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, dad passed before I even met. Brittany and mom passed when I think one of my kids was probably uh, six and the other one was four at the time. Yeah. I, they're, they're not as many people as I, I feel like I can just naturally turn to and ask for advice to. So I'm winging it, but I like to think that they're doing good. I like to think that they're happy. They're taken care of and provided for now. And I just try and raise them with the morals and the values that I have. Yeah. I like that. So, and that's that's the thing. I think I, I hopefully with mine, I, I was able to do that. Definitely with the help of their mother. Uh, which Dude, you've done important. so good. You've done so oh. good. I, I'm going to keep saying it because um, I came by way of your kids two totally different ways. I met yeah. Tanner on set uh, when I was on Marlin. I played uh, Stevie, his best friend. And, yeah. you know, I had no idea that that kid, you know, in my scene, I would end up hiring his assistant, loving his work as a director. Uh, so he's just super cool. And then Olivia just came in and auditioned <laughs> for a part on our Chicago show, Southside, and crushed it. And she was so good in her scene that we brought her back in season two, you know, for many, many scenes, yeah. <laughs> many episodes. So it's just funny to me that uh, I met both of your kids separately. Yeah. And then I feel like, I, and then and then you and I became sort of like Instagram friends. And then I did get to meet your family when I was out there for a little bit. And that's why, yeah. you know, it, it just struck me that, you know, that again, you are very well educated. Uh, your wife is keeping you grounded. Uh, the kids absolutely are, are growing up and amazing. And that's why I just wondered about, again, you know, raising the interracial kids in the world that we're in now and and, and wondering if I did a good job, you know, which I, I'm going to ask them, you know, I'm yeah. actually, doing a pod, yeah, they're going to be on a podcast of what, you know, things men don't talk about and that's, they don't ask their kids, you know, <laughs> how'd I do? <laughs> you know, it, so that might be one everyone needs to tune into. Yeah, but, I, um, I will say as an objective observer, I think you did a damn good. Now, they're kids, so you'll probably hear a whole bunch of like, well, Dan, why did you do this? And like, you're going to get, that's going to be an extra hard episode for you. I feel bad. But yeah. as, a, as, a, as a neutral observer, I think you've done really, really good. And look, we live in complicated times, identity, you know, whether it's racial or sexuality or any of that kind of stuff. It, it, it's, it's, it's hard to speak when, you know, your kids might be in a slightly different position than you, you know? So uh, in my household, you know, black was just a default setting by default. Sometimes I'm the odd man out, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, uh, but at the same time, like, I'm, I I feel like uh, we live in a different time. Like, in other words, our task, my task is probably easier than yours. Uh, and Lord knows that, you know, raising an interracial child in the 70s would be harder than, you know, what the parents probably yeah. went through. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I, I think there were fewer people that, like, now we have... You know, you can point to an Obama or a Maya Rudolph or a Rashida Jones or, you yeah. know, there's so many uh, Patrick Mahomes. Half, half of the NFL and NBA now are mixed, you know, like know. there's so many people you can point to. Yeah. But it, that wasn't always the case. There weren't always Trey Youngs, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, you know, now I feel like, you know, the world is a little bit more sophisticated yeah. on the top. And, and I did tell my kids you know what, you, as interracial kids, you will change the world. And they did as little kids. But the thing I, I, I was wondering, too, is like, 
have you taken your kids down the black heritage um, lane? Have you taken them like yes? Because I ha- I didn't do that with mine. I they kind of okay. found it on their own, and it's kind of interesting mm-hmm. where you know like again, Livia started to explore more on her own to do it, and I felt. I should have kind of like guided her or guided Tanner and Tanner did the same thing too. And it's kind of interesting um, with them. So have you taken your kids down that lane? Well, I, I want to make sure I understand. Are you saying just like teaching them about like black history and yeah, stuff like that? Black history. Well, and- I was a history, I was a history major um, at Harvard. So the story behind the story has always been super important to me. Um, in fact, when I look over there, you know, like what they're reading in English and what they're, learning in history, I always try to make sure they are getting sort of the, because it's very easy. And in, in if, you're, if you're just learning history from the textbooks, it's very easy to go from Nebuchadnezzar through, you know, the, Egypt and then into Greek and Roman, and then you're into the Germanic period. And then you're in England. And now you're the war, between you know, the wars yeah. between England and France. And now here comes America, and and it's very easy to follow that line. I mean, like besides the fact that I want to make sure that they understand what was going on simultaneously in places like China and India, I want them to know about Mali, you know, and Timbuktu. I want them to know about Ethiopia because that's the story of human beings on this planet, and some of those human beings look, you know, more like us. So I I, I am there to try and guide them. Somewhat. One thing I don't want to do is brainwash them. And that's sort of across the board. I made a pact with myself very early on that I was like, I'm not going to tell my kids that all the best music came out. Oh, it just so happens that the best music ever came out, came out during my teenage years. Like, yeah, it's one of my pet peeves that people are so in love with the music that came out in their teenage and early 20 years that at some point they become closed off to new ideas and new rhythms and new sounds. So I was like, I'm going to let my kids inform me what's cool because that's something that I want to have in common with them. And I'm not going to drag them to my music. I'm going to go to theirs, yeah. you know, maybe kicking and screaming, but I'm going to go to theirs. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and it's like that sort of across the board. Like I want to make sure that they're aware of things, but I, I truthfully, I don't want to, I don't want to indoctrinate them so that they share all the same views as mine. I mean, like, you know, there are some, th- there are some things that I think are pretty obvious or immutable, or there's some things that I think we should all have in common just as, as people, right. you know what I mean? Like I said, I'm not going to let them go off and like become anti-Semitic or Islamophobic or whatever, you know, I'm, I'm going to regulate some things, but I also want them to have their own opinions. You know, we were talking earlier, like, oh, if they came to me and said they were, <laughs> said they were white, I just, I'd be like, well, you need to look at me in the mirror. <laughs> I'm in there, brother. Um, but I'd also, I'd also have a calm discussion with them. This more turned into uh, about fatherhood, I think, and, and raising the kids. <laughs> I, I think that's, I, th- I think so. I think that ultimately, whether you're raising interracial kids or monoracial kids, uh, you are raising kids and i think that um that's something that all of us fathers probably have a lot in common yeah well like i said i'm talking to one of the smartest uh funniest and creative guys <laughs> i i've come across and, and following stuff um and i love that you you dj that people could find out about that but also um your music podcast that's really, really i have cool. a music podcast yeah Tell, it's, uh, really it's cool. called one song it's called one song uh, every episode, we break down one song. We talk about the historical context it was made, who was in the studio making it. We break down the keyboards, the drums, 
the bass guitar, the guitar, the horns, whatever's in there. And then we talk about the influence that it had on music and musical genres going forward. And and by the way, one thing that I love about it is that we will talk, we will tackle all kinds of songs, whether it's Amy Winehouse to Stevie Wonder. We talk about Daft Punk and we could talk about the Notorious B.I.G. And we will also talk about Fleetwood Mac along the way. So uh, it's hosted by myself and this guy named Luxury. He sort of blew up on TikTok, uh, also talking about music. People knew I liked music. Kevin Hart put us together. And now we have one song. You can download it wherever you get your podcast. Diallo, man, thank you. I appreciate you. I appreciate what you're doing for my children. Um, thank you, man. I appreciate this, the, uh, the, the comedy, the writing, everything you're doing, man. So thanks for... Thanks for talking with me. Thank so. you for having me. And uh, shout out to all the Perrys. They are definitely the next iteration of the Wayanses. <laughs> Watch out. I hope so. All right. Thanks. All right, man. Thanks for listening. Be sure to give the show a rating and don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe.